Sideways, an urban fantasy series written and narrated by Andy Havens. You're listening to book one, Awake. This and the second book, Aware, are available on Amazon as print and ebooks. You can get the Amazon links, learn more about the series, read the development blog, create fan fiction, and read the first book for free at thesideways.com. That's T-H-E-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the books in any form, I'd really appreciate a share on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, I suppose, or Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Pinterest, Flickr. Chapter 4. Flight. When Monday came down from his private wing, a bit after 10 a.m., he found Mrs. McKee waiting at the bottom of the stairway, looking agitated, which was unusual for her. It took quite a bit of agitating before it ever reflected in her demeanor. "'Good morning, Mrs. McKee. I trust you slept well.' "'Very well. Thank you, Mr. Monday. And you?' She knew he wouldn't be hurried. "'Also very well. Thank you. Now what can I do for you?' Is there something you wish to discuss? She was relieved, he could tell, that he didn't linger over additional polite conversation. With some of the other staff he might have, just to make the point. But Mrs. McKee was as well-trained and perfectly behaved an assistant as anyone could possibly hope for. If she was agitated, clearly something required her superior's attention. Yes, Mr. Monday, the girl, Kendra White, the one from your office last night. She made it out, you know. He nodded. Of course I know. I assume she met you on the front steps as instructed after dawn. He had felt her escape in his sleep, but didn't bother waking fully, knowing that Mrs. McKee would tend to the girl's needs and send her home. Mrs. McKee nodded back at her employer. Uh, yes, Mr. Monday. Indeed, she had been waiting a little while. And as you'd told her to wait for me, she did so and she said she would indeed like whatever help I could give and some breakfast. So I took her to the Waffle House down the block and bought her some hot chocolate. It was all she'd order, and answered a few questions. She's very curious, you know, and her situation is somewhat unique, but I assume you know that. Monday nodded. Yes. Go on. Well, when we were finished, I paid for the chocolate, and she said that uh, I hoped she'd had a good day, and I left her sitting at the booth, but halfway up the library steps I found that she was following right behind me. The librarian let a little surprise show on his face, as this clearly was what Mrs. McKee was expecting from him at this point in her tale. "'Indeed. Please continue,' he invited. "'Well, I said to her, "'What do you want, Kendra?' and she said, "'I'd like to talk to Mr. Monday some more, please,' and I told her that wouldn't be possible." Monday nodded. No reason for the girl to talk to him. They had nothing to say to each other. She had survived the test, which meant she could survive as a reckoner in the real world. A late-blooming reckoner, a mundane that made it into the world, was quite odd, but not particularly interesting. It had happened dozens of times in history that he knew of. 
It was interesting in the way that some very rare diseases were, but that was all he needed to know about her. Anything else would be superfluous. Quite correct, Mrs. McKee. Did she make a fuss? Oh, no, she said, oh, okay, and sat down on the library steps, and I turned and came back inside. But by the time I'd reached the administration wing, I felt as if... He held up a hand. Let me guess. She was there behind you again. Mrs. McKee nodded, and Monday now understood why she was so upset. She knows how much I dislike having uninvited visitors in the administration wing, he thought. Since I'd been asleep when the girl came in, and since she had been technically a guest of mine the night before, my way hadn't intruded on my sleep to warn me that my home had been invaded. He smiled reassuringly, and patted Mrs. McKee on the shoulder in what he hoped was a comforting manner. "'Don't worry,' he said softly. "'I certainly don't blame you. And as it turns out, she is a reckoner. It is no great shame or trouble to have had her for a while in the atrium. I'll just—but—' Mrs. McKee was shaking her head. Monday cocked an eyebrow at her, as if to say, "'Go on.' "'She's not in the atrium, sir.' Mrs. McKee only called Monday Sir when something dreadful had happened. It had been more than seventy years since she'd last called him Sir. Then, he assumed, she snuck past you and is sitting and reading a magazine in the waiting room in the administration wing. She shook her head again, very, very slightly. No, sir. Out with it, woman! Where is the girl? Mrs. McKee took a step back and turned her face away from Monday as she spoke. She's in your office, sir. In my office, he thought incredulous. That is, well, essentially impossible. Mrs. McKee. Yes, sir. Why didn't you put her out of my office? He was quite calm again. No use getting flustered. The situation would be well in hand soon enough. Now Mrs. McKee hung her head and studied her shoes. She looked for all the world like a sixty-year-old schoolgirl. Monday lowered his head and tried to catch her gaze, but she avoided his eyes entirely. Generally, the librarian did not repeat himself, so he simply waited for her answer. Eventually, he got it. She's, uh, she locked herself in, sir. This was too much. As Monday stepped around Mrs. McKee, he drew his way around him like a cloak. Various aspects clung to his mind like parts snapping into place from an engine or machine. The rest of the library was intact, the grounds were immaculate, the assistants were at work helping clients, both mundane and reckoners. Everything was as it should be. But when Monday cast his way towards his office, there was a blank. It was, indeed, locked. Only Monday should have been able to lock his office from the inside. If somehow some other little person had put something in front of the door, or rigged a bolt or mechanism of some sort, Mrs. McKee would have been able to take care of them, quite admirably. Taking care of problems was one of her job functions, after all. Monday could hear her trailing behind him as he walked briskly through the library towards the administration wing. Several of the assistants greeted him as they passed through. He merely nodded at them on the way by. When he got to the atrium and the door to the administration wing, he turned and looked back at Mrs. McKee, who had to stop, rather abruptly, in order to keep from bumping into him. "'Mrs. McKee,' he asked, "'what steps did you take in attempting to extricate the girl from my office?' She had pulled herself together again. "'Good girl,' Monday thought. "'The measure of a person's worth is how well they perform under pressure.' "'When I found that I couldn't open the door through ordinary means, Mr. Monday, 
I asked your office to disgorge itself. She spoke as if she were reading a report, which is exactly what he'd asked for. Good first step. And when that didn't work, I spoke several words of showing, all of which should have sent her screaming from the room. He nodded. That would have been my next play as well. And then... Fearing that she had somehow blocked the door physically, I had Wallace and Mark try to force it. He pursed his lips in thought, but finally nodded. Monday wasn't sure what a tiny little girl like Kendra could have done that would require the muscle of two burly young fellows to undo, but it wasn't an illogical choice. And then, he asked, I... I'm sorry, Mr. Monday, she muttered. Just tell me, Mrs. McKee, he said soothingly, or in what he hoped was a soothing way. I promise not to be angry. She nodded, looked down at her shoes again, grimaced, and said, I woke one of your personal ways, taking down all the seemings. You what? She drew back as if he'd struck her and began nodding very quickly, almost vibrating her head. I'm sorry, Mr. Monday. I thought it might frighten the girl out. Mrs. McKee was clearly very agitated. But it did not. No, sir. He didn't suppose it would have, after she'd survived it last night, completely bare to the power of his sanctum. Today, if this was someone else's problem, I'd find it fascinating, he thought. But in my office, for perhaps the millionth time in his life, he reflected that the difference between fascinating and irritating was one of perspective and distance. With an audibly irritated tone, he told Mrs. McKee, Call the green man. I believe his name is Kaolin, the one who brought her here. Summon him immediately. When I get her out of my office, I will want words with him. She has been more trouble than I thought possible. He will relieve me of this trouble, or I will burden him quite considerably more. Yes, Mr. Monday, at once, sir. Monday opened the door to the administration wing and held it for her. She scurried past and up into her own office, shutting the door behind her. It wasn't really her fault. None of it was. Well, setting his way loose was an error in judgment, but she'd clearly been desperate to get the girl out of her superior's office before he woke up. I won't be too hard on her, he thought. Monday strode down the administration corridor, past the visitor's area, past the outer offices, and straight up to the door of his office. He could tell without touching the doorknob that it had been locked somehow from the other side. He could also tell that it would open to his touch no matter what had been done to it. I don't care who or what is inside my domain, he murmured. At the center of my way I will not be bound. Before he got to the door, however, it opened from the inside. Monday's stride did not falter at all as he walked through the door and into the office. He saw at once that there had been some scuffling going on, a few books scattered on the floor, papers in disarray. No major damage done, though, which was a good sign. The girl was sitting on his couch, feet tucked up underneath her in that way girls have. Monday's crow was sitting on the couch's armrest within about a foot of her. As he entered the room, both of their heads swiveled to watch him come in, almost as if they were on the same swing arm. It would have been amusing had Monday been in any kind of mood to be amused. And had the crow not been absolutely still and frozen for some hundreds of years before that moment. What have you done to my bird? He asked Kendra without preamble. For any reckoner who knew him, the ice in his tone would have been enough to terrify. Thanks for the cocoa, the girl said, completely ignoring the threat in his voice. She reached up and absent-mindedly stroked the feathers on the back of the crow's neck. 
The bird continued to stare at Monday. What? Coco? The librarian had been watching the crow and hadn't quite been paying attention. Thanks for the cocoa, she repeated. Mrs. McKee told me that although she was there, it was you who'd paid. I asked her to thank you for me, but since you're here now, thank you. She was being deliberately obtuse. I will ask you one more time, Monday said. What have you done to my bird? For a moment the two creatures' heads swiveled towards each other, locking eyes. Then both turned back to stare at the old man again. She's not your bird, Kendra said simply. Not any more. In his office it was almost impossible to hide anything from Monday. It was the place where mysteries came to shed their masks, and yet he had no idea what had changed about the crow, except that instead of sitting on its iron perch, where it had been utterly motionless for as long as he'd had it, it was now on the couch, and preening its feathers. "'I assure you, my dear,' he replied, "'it is indeed my bird.' Kendra shook her head. First of all, it's not an it, it's a she. Second of all, if she wants to leave, she can come with me. Monday was becoming increasingly angry. The crow had been a gift from another master, and was quite a powerful research aid. It was a kind of magnifying glass for certain types of information and situations, and he used it as such, much to his pleasure, several times a month. While he was not a sentimental man, he was certainly one who valued a good tool, and this crow was one of the best. When, or should I say, if you leave, he said, we shall see what becomes of the bird. Until then we will wait for the green men to come and take you away. Permanently this time, one hopes. She looked up at him with those lovely green eyes of hers and replied, Okay, but while we're waiting I have some questions for you, Mr. Monday. Everyone here has questions, he said, turning to sit at his desk chair. That's the whole point of a library. He spun around to look at her. She had to turn on the couch to face him and did so without getting up, simply shifting her torso and twisting, again in that way girls have that men can never seem to match. Now the crow was between them, and the girl leaned on the armrest, her eyes on the same level as those of the bird. "'Will you answer mine?' she asked. He shook his head. "'No.' She looked puzzled. "'Why not?' He opened his hands in a gesture of disregard. "'Why should I?' She scowled as she replied, "'Because you were kind of nasty last night, and helping me out would be a nice thing to do.' Then she grinned. "'Oh, so? You're a librarian. You're supposed to help young people learn stuff.' He shook his head again. You really have no idea what you're up to, to whom you're speaking, where you are, or the consequences of your actions. Because of that, and because, against great odds, you managed to survive my way last night, I may let your rudeness go unpunished. I don't know how you got into my office, or blocked Mrs. McKee and my assistants from getting in, nor how you affected such a profound change in my bird. And, he held up a hand as she started to speak, I frankly do not care. That last was not true, but she didn't need to know that. All I want from you now, though, he continued, is for you to leave. I have summoned back the greenman who brought you here. I will instruct him to answer your questions as best he can. I, however, will not. She seemed to consider the offer as if there was a serious chance she might refuse it or counter with one of her own. Finally, she nodded. Okay, she said. If he can help fill me in, that's fine. 
but I have one question that I think only you can answer. Monday hated to repeat himself. I am not prepared to answer any of your questions. She leaned back in the couch, considered what he'd said, and nodded. If that's how you feel, never mind then. He hadn't expected her to drop it that quickly, but then she'd been full of surprises all along. And now, against his better judgment, he was curious. A weakness of my domain, he thought. But he wouldn't give her the satisfaction of asking. They sat there like that, the man, the bird, the girl, for about twenty minutes, unmoving except for the small shifts in posture everyone makes from time to time. If I had any idea how Hahang had made that bird, Monday thought, I'd try to reclaim it. Time for that later, I suppose. After a bit, the phone on Monday's desk rang, one quick, quiet purr. Again, the heads of the girl and the crow turned in unison towards the source of the sound. He picked up the handpiece. Yes. The greenman is waiting in the guest area, Mr. Monday. Thank you, Mrs. McKee. Send him in. He hung up the phone and steepled his fingers in front of his face. Kendra seemed content to wait as well, twisting in the couch to observe the doorway. In a minute the door opened, and the greenman, who had less than a day before deposited this troublesome girl on the atrium floor, entered Monday's office. "'Your name is Kaolin, I believe?' "'Yes,' he replied. He was clearly none too pleased to have been called here. "'Good,' thought Monday. You brought this girl Kendra to me last night. She has passed my test. She is now a reckoner. She has questions. She will leave here with you, and you will answer them. Kendra stood up from the couch in one fluid motion, and the bird jumped to sit on her shoulder. As Monday was about to say something about that situation, the girl stuck out her hand, and without thinking, the librarian held out his own to shake it. And in that touch, he knew who she was. He saw and smelled the beginning of her day, apple blossoms, and saw her wake and dress and prepare and then go down to the kitchen with her mother. That one! I know her! I know her! She is the woman who fell from release, but she didn't have a child. She was made barren, we were told, when Morgan tried to draw her to increase. Is this girl hers, theirs, or adopted, or of a mundane father? Too many questions, too unexpected. Had he been prepared, he could have prolonged the moment, but it was so completely out of context. He felt distracted, out of focus. What was I asking her? What, what did she need? Their hands parted. The greenman nodded silently and gestured the girl out of Monday's office. He could hear their steps in the hall and feel them as they wended through the library and out the door. And that's fine. She's been an irritant, and I have things to do. Monday was normally a very observant person, perhaps, in fact, the most observant man on the planet. But at this moment he was unable to really concentrate. He thought about the girl, thought maybe her parents were important. Maybe not. It would explain why she was an untrained reckoner, he finally concluded. And that thought anchored him. It was a reasonable explanation, a good conclusion to the data at hand. Fine, fine, yes, that's it. Her mother had once been a reckoner, and had had a child by a mundane. The girl had just enough of us in her to make the difference when she was splashed with the sky blood. Yes, that makes sense. He was glad. Monday didn't like being unsure. He liked to know, and now he did. He had an answer. 
but it wasn't until he paused in his work much later that morning that he realized the crow had indeed left with the girl. He reprimanded Mrs. McKee for the loss, not overly harshly, but firmly nonetheless. He was puzzled as to how the bird had slipped both his mind and his domain so handily, but he could hardly blame McKee for that. Perhaps the whole evening had simply been too oddly distracting. Perhaps I'm getting old, he thought, and wondered how he might contact Flux to arrange for a replacement for the crow, or a similarly helpful artifact. Hahang had been bothering him for more than a century to come visit her, and maybe, maybe he could ask about the girl's mother. No, her mother was of release. Father of Flux? White. Was that her name? Yes, Lane White. I can kill two birds. <laughs> yes, with one stone. Maybe next week I'll arrange a visit. No, he thought after a bit, she can come here. Movement is easier for her.